This is Southern Arch Heretic. Taxation without representation. A separation of churchless and state. I'm Kit Rogers, and I have some questions. No taxation without representation. Do you remember this rallying cry from U.S. history class in middle school? It's a phrase we associate with the battle for civil liberties and the rights of the taxed citizenry. Whether we think of it in connection with the colonist revolt that became the American Revolution, the women's suffrage movement, the civil rights movement of the 1960s, or in more modern times hijacked by what came to be called the Tea Party, it's recognized as a call to action. It's a sentiment that predates the American Revolution and was accepted English law, which, of course, was why certain English colonists took issue with paying their taxes. With no representation in Parliament, certain English citizens in the colonies discovered that they had very little influence and their interests were not represented in the government across the Atlantic. In other words, the growing sentiment in the colonies was Why in the hell should we pay taxes to a government in which we have no voice? It's like getting robbed and being told it's for the greater good. I mean, that shit may go down like sweet tea in a Robin Hood story, but generally folks look rather unkindly on that sort of behavior. The ridiculous argument was made by those in power in England that the colonists had virtual representation, which basically was another way of saying, the leaders in Parliament speak for everyone, not just the territory they represent, so back the hell off. I'm sure there were some divine providence arguments made, just like there are now. You know, God chose me to lead. He told me when I prayed to him, just ask him. Or, better yet, just have faith in that I hear the voice of God, because I said so. Faith. So why is this important to those who are non-believers? Those who question the existence of God? Those who fail to worship the Judeo-Christian God? Or that simply believe in a true separation of church and state? Well, because we all pay taxes. And yet, those that I just described have little to no representation in the halls of power. Since I am one of those... (laughs) that I just described, determining just how little my vote counts is of extreme importance to me. My goal is to take a good hard look at the demographics of our republic, its people, its organization, and its power balance, in an attempt to not only properly expose the religiously unaffiliated's extreme acquiescence to the Christian ruling class, but to illustrate the near-complete lack of inclusion, and therefore representation, in all levels of government and society at large. We live in a nation that has codified a separation of church and state, but it's a facade. Let's explore a more well-defined separation, 
that is the separation of churchless and state, and see if we can develop a remedy where those that believe in science in lieu of magic are granted a seat at the table instead of a seat on the floor eating scraps like dogs. The new Colossus, not like the brazen giant of Greek fame, with conquering limbs astride from land to land. Here, at our sea-washed sunset gates, shall stand a mighty woman with a torch, whose flame is the imprisoned lightning, and her name, Mother of Exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor that Twin Cities frame. Keep, ancient lands, your storied pomp, cries she with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore, send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Emma Lazarus Who are the churchless? The churchless are surely included in those tired, poor, huddled masses with the labored breathing. Maybe we non-religious are the wretched refuse. The Statue of Liberty proposes to welcome all comers with open arms to the good old U.S. of A. with this Emma Lazarus sonnet. What about those that are homeless and tempest-tossed but don't follow Jesus or lack belief in Yahweh? It doesn't really mention it in that recognizable poem, forever memorialized in bronze at the doorway of our great nation. Miss Lazarus's exhortation doesn't mention race, nationality, gender, or religion. Are we all welcome? It would seem so, according to the plaque attached to Lady Liberty. More importantly, are we all welcome as equals? That's a little more complicated. Well... This is a Christian nation, son, and truthfully, you're all going to hell anyway, so uh, who cares what you think? Does anyone else feel like their interests are ignored unless they pledge faith in some form of magic? Maybe you never think about it. I know that I've done a fair amount of tap dancing around friends and family to avoid the whole God conversation throughout the years. It, it's a discussion that inevitably leads to uncomfortable moments for those involved. In most circumstances, the path of least resistance is to avoid any mention of God or faith, especially if you're an individual who doesn't believe in an all-powerful overlord, or you don't embrace the surrender to ignorance, confused as the virtue of faith. So, what subject matter triggers an argument faster than religion, when discussed with friends and family? Well, politics. So... I thought I'd combine the two just to make this as uncomfortable as possible. I've made it clear that I count myself among the churchless, but seriously, who the hell are we? I thought it would be helpful in our quest for perspective to look at some of the data collected by surveys and polls in the United States as it relates to faith, religion, money, education, and the like. 
This includes any other data I can find that is interesting or relevant to the understanding of our, you know, the churchless, our place in American society. I guess I'll ask this again. Who the hell are we? For the purposes of this project, we are the nuns. No, not the nuns with the habits and the rosaries and the rulers and the smacking of hands and whatnot. But the nuns. N-O-N-E-S. When asked what religion we are or what church we belong to on a questionnaire, we respond, none. We are the unaffiliated, the atheist, the agnostic, the nothing in particular, the don't know, the arguably Buddhist, Hindu, any other faith and religion that aren't Christianity, Judaism, or Islam. Maybe we're just the stay the fuck out of our business people who think that personal beliefs are just that. Personal. So who's our champion? When was the last time you saw a political ad where the candidate openly embraced science and reason and promised to work for the betterment of his constituents by championing legislation based upon reliable evidence and data from testable hypotheses? Or is it more likely that the last political ad you saw had someone holding a Bible and shooting an electric vehicle with a bazooka? Or maybe it was a candidate for the United States House of Representatives spraying solar panels with multiple bursts of gunfire from an assault rifle with a battle hymn of the Republic playing in the background and a wind-whipped American flag waving like a ghostly shadow amid the explosions and complete destruction of that sun-sucking glass and all of my hopes for a more intelligent future. If thoughts and prayers actually had the power to balance budgets or to lower crime rates and mass shootings or whatever they're supposed to do, what a wonderful world this would be. Is it just me, or does it seem childish and lazy to simply wish something to be so and expect others to be satisfied with that effort? I mean the effort of wishing, you know, also known as thoughts and prayers, and maybe having your staff type out the fact that you wished it on your social media, you know. With all of their time dedicated to thoughts and prayers, who has time to govern? If we make the proper wish to the Sky Wizard, he'll fix it. We must be using the wrong words or something. Maybe God doesn't speak English. Ever think of that? My understanding is that unless I read the holy books in the original language, I can't really understand them. We know God speaks Aramaic, Hebrew, and Arabic. There's no reason to believe our prayers aren't just jumbled sounds like white noise in the great universal wiretap. Before social media, how did all the lower-level politicians let their constituents know that they were praying for them? Or join in the slog of other online friends to wish them happy birthday? In case you didn't know, your congressperson doesn't actually know your birthday. Kind of like the rest of your friends and family, without the verified thought police reminding them in their social media feed. Here's a test. If you had a choice between two candidates, and you had to choose one right now, all you're allowed to know is that one of them goes to church every Sunday, 
and the other one does not, who do you choose? I, I know it's not fair without knowing more, but to a large percentage of the population, the choice is clear. There would be no hesitation. That's why I feel compelled to do this. Notice I said compelled. I wasn't moved by God or the Spirit. It isn't revealed knowledge or testimony. There were just some words that fell out of my imperfect fucking brain. Just like every other writing or recorded expression from every other human ever. It can be revealing, especially when prognosticating about the makeup of the voting population in years to come, to understand the belief systems of those younger generations. After all, that's who will be providing and determining the leaders of tomorrow. When we look at the percentage of the general population that admits to being unaffiliated as it relates to religion, we can see in the religious landscape study performed by Pew Research Center in 2007 and again in 2014 that the number reached 22.8% of the population. What's more interesting to me are the percentages based on age. For those over the age of 65, the unaffiliated represented only 9%. For those Americans between the ages of 50 and 64, the unaffiliated represented 19%. Honestly, 19% is a significant enough percentage to make a difference as a voting block. We will talk about how these numbers compare to other specified voting blocks as we go along. For those 30 to 39 years old, the unaffiliated represented 37%, and for the 18 to 29-year-olds, 35%. Now, I'm taking those numbers from 2014. I'm not sure what it says about those under 30 that the percentage of their group that admitted to being a part of a cult that believes in magic was 2% greater than that of the age group that preceded it. I, I blame it on social media, but, but then again, I blame social media for most modern idiocy. The point is to show that as of 2014, the percentage of the population under the age of 40 that identified as churchless was around 35%. Remember this number because it becomes important when we begin comparing it to other individual voting blocks specifically targeted by campaigns. They're targeted because they're viewed by those campaigns as large enough to swing elections. To put that number in perspective, According to a Pew Research Center survey in 2018 and 2019 regarding political party affiliation, 34% of registered voters identified as independents, 33% as Democrats, and 29% as Republicans. We churchless make up a larger percentage of the population than individuals that associate with any particular political party in a fucking two-party system. Here's an even more telling number. In a Pew survey from spring 2022, 65% of Americans say that belief in God is not necessary to be moral and have good values. So why doesn't that translate to government? Especially one that placed the separation of church and state so prominently in its founding documents. 
those comparisons should hopefully light a fire under some of our asses to get it together and figure out why seemingly no one cares about what the fuck we think, particularly those who wield the power of government. They really don't give a shit about the churchless. More than one-third of the voting population under the age of 50 in 2023. So let's change that. It seems to me that one way to crack this nut is to determine just which specific segments of the populace make up the churchless and which segments make up those that claim affiliation with the church. I would also like to take a deeper dive into single-issue voters to determine where the common ground lies so that maybe the rational and pragmatic can play an important role in the way in which they view and choose their government representatives. That way, we can determine our path forward as to raising awareness and catalyzing the organization of those with actual freedom on their minds. Freedom from the great tyrant in the sky and freedom to have a voice regarding our representation in our government. Actual freedom for all those that choose pragmatism and evidence over wishes made to and fear of an all-powerful babysitter. Freedom from being represented in our government by individuals who at the very least must publicly claim faith in God and magic and usually must go further in their show of religiosity to ensure the votes of the believers. We all have ideas of who runs our country and has actual power, even though I hope we would all agree that the power should lie in the hands of the people through our elected officials. If we can agree on at least that, then we have a platform upon which we can build our voting block and hopefully affect change in what the model of a reasonable candidate looks like as well. (laughs) 